Welcome, baseball fans. It is time once again for the Running the Bases podcast, first of the new year, 2020. I'm Tucker Wells, joined as always by Coach Jordan Bounds. Coach, happy new year to you. How you doing? Happy new decade. Yeah, new decade, man. Uh, saw something on MLB Network that was pretty interesting. Uh, who's going to win the most championships in the 2020s in this decade? Who would you guess? Oh, um, well, obviously right now you would have to say that the Yankees are well pr- you know, primed for the coming decade. They have a lot of young talent to go along with a lot of very expensive in its prime talent. Um and with the resources that the Dodgers and the Reds Sox have, you got to feel like they're going to be there in the hunt. Um, the Padres, the Braves, the White Sox, all of these teams uh, seem to be well stocked. But having to overcome these other empires is a different thing. Yeah, I guess in the in the twenty teens, it was the the Red Sox had the most. They got yeah. two, so it feels like the Astros should have had three. They just didn't yeah, cheat hard right. enough. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. The Red Sox did cheat hard enough, though. Too. Oh, yeah, yes. they did. They <laughs> did. The Red Sox cheated the exact right amount to get to get those two. Um, all right. Well, for the first pod of the new year, we're going to talk about uh, free agency in the offseason. Uh, first to third, we're going to do our Hall of Fame ballot, our yearly tradition of our own Hall of Fame ballot. Uh, elections coming up, or the announcement at least, uh, I believe next week. Uh, and then coming into home, we got the Bounds Book Club. We're going to talk about the art of fielding. So, out of the box, the free agency offseason, it's been a lot more exciting than last year, to say the least. Do you think that Scott Boris is okay with the way that this offseason has unfolded with the uh, the uh, uh, fluidity of deals getting done? Have, haven't I heard that he's gotten over a billion dollars for his clients? Yeah. I think he's probably happy. Yeah, he's he's ultimately happy every Wait, Doesn't year. he get like 10% of that? I mean, he gets like a tremendous percentage. Oh, sure. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised I, if it's higher than that. I don't think so, but... Boris Corporation at its finest. Yeah. Um, well, let's start... Uh, we can jump around, but I wanted to start with the most recent news as of this podcast recording. Uh, Mookie Betts and Chris Bryant, two huge names in the rumor mill this past offseason dumbfoundingly so um they both uh signed one-year deals mookies for a record 27 million um and then uh chris bryant 18.6 million for one year avoiding arbitration given that who's more likely to be kept long term mookie or by the red sox or bryant by the cubs i I, I can't see the Red Sox getting rid of, rid of Mookie Betts. Right. It's just difficult for me to fathom. Uh, the Red Sox, ever since I've known them, have held on to their stars. Uh, Big Poppy was there forever, seemingly. You know, uh, right. You know, they're still paying Pedroia. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and you, Williams and Yaz and all of these people, they just stayed there forever. Uh, and I don't see them let, you know, they're, where are they going to come up with talent anything like a Mookie Betts. I can't trade him for uh, equal value. You know, uh, it's it becomes a money dump. And I don't see the Red Sox nation allowing a, a player dump for money, somebody like with Mookie Betts. I mean, if they're going to get rid of Jackie Bradley to be able to hold on to Mookie Betts, I see that. They're going to get rid of David Price, you know, uh, to hold on to Mookie Betts. I can see that, but I just don't see him getting rid of Betts. Now, 
it's hard to see anybody getting rid of Bryant, but Bryant may be on his way out anyway. Right, right. I've the, the worth uh, noting, of course, is that Chris Bryant has filed a lawsuit right. against said uh, Chicago Cubs for that. Uh, well, Boris has done this. Um, more than likely, he's going to lose that lawsuit. That's what everybody says. But. Yeah, but I mean that that seems to send a pretty clear message of how he feels about his his organization. If he does leave in free agency, what's the most likely destination for Senior Bryant? Oh, that, that's too hard to say right now because if he leaves a free agency, it's going to be two years from now. So you right. can't say who's going to take this guy two years from now. All right, if I'm if I'm going to say anybody, the Yankees, you know, I mean, just because you know they're they're back. I mean, you know, let's talk about the Garrett Cole signing with the Yankees. That falls in line. Uh, you know, ridiculous numbers to say the least. So the Yankees heavy favorite to win it all next year they don't have like a big number two unless you're counting severino in a comeback season i think they they've got to be a heavy favorite i mean i mean when you look at all of the injuries that they had last year and those guys are all didi's gone but you know the uh i just can't i mean they're in a tough division the rays are legitimate uh and the red sox and they haven't really lost much from a record-setting team from two years ago. So, I mean, uh, but I think you got to consider the Yankees a heavy favorite. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the big empire teams that were kind of out on Garrett Cole and knew it. It, it seemed to go down to um, the Yankees, the Angels, and then I don't even I don't know if the Astros were heavily in on re-signing Garrett Cole. Um, the fact that he doesn't go to the Angels, so the Angels make a couple of big moves. They get Joe Madden, right, and then they sign, you Rendon. know, all world Rendon. But they don't land that big pitcher that they really needed the most. And so now, here we go, another year with the Angels having the best player in the world, and probably the best three four combination. Yeah, they'll score a bazillion runs, but will they finish higher than third? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, but it's the, it's not over yet. Yeah. Um, all right. The best available right now, as of today, the, you still have Donaldson. So where's Donaldson going to sign ultimately? Well, it, it's scary. I, I, there's no, uh, I make no exception that I want him to sign with the Braves. Yes. Uh, other teams seem to be, uh, Record that were in the hunt for him seem to be withdrawing somewhat. He has put his uh, he's had four year offers apparently from three different teams. Uh, yet from the Twins, the Nationals, and the Braves, he apparently has set his number at 110 million, and nobody has reached that yet. That scares me a little bit. The longer that goes on, he has said he would rather play with the Braves if everything is equal. Um, so the Braves haven't offered them that. I've heard some reports that the Braves aren't even close to that, but I've heard other reports that the Nationals and the Twins are kind of uh, preparing to go in another direction since the they see it as that he's more likely to come back to the Braves. So it's really tough to say. Right. The uh, Nationals, they had the two signs in the last week. Uh, they, they, Thames, when I got, Eric Thames was one, uh, as Drupal Cabrera. So and, they, they and definitely, prior to that, they signed, they signed Castro, too, another infielder, Sterling Castro. Uh, right, and, right, 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 right. Uh, now, 
and they've signed Kendrick back. Uh, this they're filling second and first base there, and then they went out. Uh, who they they got a uh, a high priced relief pitcher too. Um, part of the thing with the Nationals, they sign people with deferred money, and that you know that's why Rendon apparently didn't want to re up with the Nationals because so much of it was. Uh, deferred money, and that may be part of the case with Donaldson. I, I I don't know that. Do you see the Braves as an organization that would do a deferred to get it to 110 million total value of contract? Oh, I I don't know. I I don't know. It's a bad uh, thing to like wait that out, you know. Right. And see to me, who blinks first. If they're right now, they're signing somebody at a, a whole lot of money for three years, and they're going to pay him over four. I mean, the chance that he's going to be the same quality player uh, in his fourth year uh, of this contract is kind of remote. I would make him very old. Uh, just like the Angels signed Pujols for a billion years, uh, they were signing him for those first few years. And this is, you know, the I mean, this is how they're paying for it now. Uh, yeah. Don, Donaldson's like that. I mean, everybody's signing him for three, hoping for three good years out of it. The fourth year is a gift. So you're saying, you know, the, the amount of money, I don't really care. The Braves have it. They're already at a record payroll. We know this, even without signing Donaldson. They're their highest payroll ever. Uh, I think Adjusted for inflation. Right, right. Probably not as much <laughs> as the 90s teams, but yeah, I get what you're saying. The, well, I mean, yeah, it's... Uh, the highest their payrolls, I think, is 130 million or something like that. Right, right. Uh, but they can certainly afford it. The bank makes a lot of money, uh, and all of the surrounding the battery, venues, yeah, the battery is charged up like an ATM. It is, but everyone's making a deposit. That's true. Well, uh, all right, another big name still out there. Kind of surprising to me, but uh, Marcel Azuna still available. Right, and so is Nicholas Castellanos. Uh, is that how you say something? Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, both of them, uh, lesser degrees. I think both of them, uh, I think, I've heard of uh, Castellanos is likely to go to the Rangers. I think the Rangers just signed Todd Frazier, which is kind of them throwing up their hands on the Donaldson thing. I think they were slightly in on it. Um, the uh, Ozuna, I've heard... Uh, is likely to go back to the Cardinals, but he could go. Uh, is likely to go elsewhere. I mean, he's uh, the Rangers are in on the hunt on him as well. One of the wild cards in this whole deal is the Dodgers are really getting pressure to do something, and uh, that they had. I mean, they were somewhat in on Cole. They were somewhat in on Rendon. Uh, it didn't work out. They can only. They can't go out and get a Marcelo Zuna. That's not. He's not going to make their team. Uh, I do think it's very possible that Arenado could get traded before uh, this next season. And, right. Uh, of I, I don't think Lindor is going anywhere. I don't think Betts is going anywhere. I don't think Bryant's going anywhere. No, uh, Lindor may be gone come August. That's true. That that's seems true. Very, more and more possible considering the uh, Corey Kluber trade. Right. I mean, uh, they could still win. That division, yeah. I mean, uh, is they keep getting getting rid of players, you know. And uh, although but, the White Sox are like everybody's darling, oh, sure. sleeper pick now, sure. And the Twins won a hundred plus games last year yes, and have gotten exactly. better. Uh, so 
uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk for them, but they could still win. The reason that the Twins won 100-plus games is because it's a weak division. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the the Tigers will still be there. Right. <laughs> be, in the, uh, be in this current Tigers state of affairs. And there, there are teams, more teams in the American League that you have to beat than there are in the National League. I mean, you, you play the Orioles, you have to beat them. You play the Tigers, you have to beat them. Seems like there was another team that's uh, like, cash it all in but well the royals i mean oh the royals yes yeah. the royals have whereas in the national league you only have one team and they're getting better the marlins yeah the marlins are very interesting they get a lot of buzz about like they may sign back marcelo zuna right which would be hilarious but. they have they have pitching they they have some young pitching that's very impressive right and kudos to them you know it's yeah. the, so far the the plan is working for for jeter and co yeah Soon to be Hall of Famer officially, yeah, Derek Jeter, um, number two. <laughs> um, the let's see, you were saying about the Dodgers' uh, big loss with Ryu as well. He goes to Toronto. That's true. So that's a. I mean, they're they're the ceiling is the roof uh, with uh, Walker Bueller, but Clayton Kershaw now in year. I think it's going to be year. Uh, 13 or 14 for him he's he's definitely on the downside of his career. i don't want to say downside he's getting a little long in the tooth for a pitcher <laughs> has thrown that many innings right but he's no longer a, a dual number one no 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 he's, no he's a two and depending on what time of year you kind of looked at him last year he was more of a three he was number three last year behind ryu and bueller uh, I'll throw out some other names that are still available, and you give me your intrigue on them if you're a GM. Uh, Brett Gardner, he's 36 years old, but he's still available, and he's still one of the top outfielders available by war. Doesn't he have a lawsuit against the Yankees, too? Wouldn't surprise me. I think he does, yeah. <laughs> They're lawyering up. Yeah. Um, but uh, where do you think he would end up? Oh, uh... I've given it no thought whatsoever about where. Well, Brett let's keep Gardner it that way, because <laughs> neither have I. Yasiel Puig is out there. I just hope he doesn't end up here. Yeah. Uh, well, to the, that point, Kevin Pillar is available. And yeah. You talk defense. I was like, that might be an interesting, you know, replacement for Marcakis. Although I'm sure we'll just end up re-signing Marcakis. We have two. Our two highest prospects are outfielders that are right on yeah, the cusp. You're you right. Know? Let one of them battle for, you know, the fourth outfield spot. We still have Ender. Yeah, you know, and Austin Riley may, by all accounts, if we do land, right, Donaldson is right. going to be an outfielder. They're going to have to put him there to see if he can hit again. See if we can hit a slider. Yeah. <laughs> the curse of hitting a, a breaking ball in, in, in the Braves organization. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this gigantic story that broke in this offseason with the Houston Astros. Um, more cowbell in the dugout, more home runs in the field. Uh, what do you think happens with the Astros? It's been uh, reported that Manfred is going to come down with the the sentencing uh, in the next two weeks. Uh, I mean, what do you feel is appropriate? And then what do you feel is going to happen as far as punishment of the Astros for cheating, stealing signs, tipping signs? Hard to say since... Manfred has already come down and said, you can't do that, you know, before they did. Uh, they, right. They were told specifically, uh, I mean, as were the Red Sox, who, now I don't think their punishment, this has just come out about them recently. Uh, but, I mean, they, they've been, they were caught before with the watch thing. 
Yeah, the Apple uh, Watch. Brought to right. you by Apple Watch. Right. Uh, but I, I don't see what, you know, they can't take away a championship. You right. We, I mean, this isn't the NCAA. We can't just right. vacate the wins. Right. And uh, they can't say, all right, you're really bad. Jose Altuve goes elsewhere. Uh, yeah. They. I mean, it seems like the only way they can hurt them is with draft picks and fines. Uh, and, uh, I mean, they recently had a uh, all-star game there, didn't they? Uh, no, it was 2004 was the okay. last All-Star game in Houston. Okay. Uh, well, they're not going to give them another one soon. Uh, <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, Too many new stadiums that still right. need to be showed off. You know, I, shown I can't. Off? I mean, I don't know. You know, uh, if they take away international uh, signing money, I, you know, I don't know. But it, it's, it's not going to be enough to satisfy all of us that want to see them punished. Right. Well, it seems like a, an area they could go, and I, I this is based on nothing that I have researched, but um, coming down on their scouting and analytics department, it seems like that would be an area that they, you know, that the MLB could impose bans and restrictions for the next three years. How? To say you can't use analytics anymore? Well, no, but that that the the resources that they can devote is uh you know capped for the next three years again this is based on nothing but i'm trying yeah, to yeah i'm I trying understand. to come up with some way that yeah we'd feel like oh yeah well they're gonna be they're really gonna be screwed now they're gonna have to oh uh, i i don't know how you would do that per se since so much of that is just on a computer well uh, how many people get fired for this when it's said and done i mean is there a way where is there uh, uh, a it chance like that the, uh, they're going to make the GM resign or they're going to ban Alex Hinch for two years? I mean, you could have something like that where Hinch gets suspended for two seasons. That could be. Uh, I mean, a lot of the people involved are already on other teams uh, Yeah, as well. Uh, managing, another one that might be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, and, I mean, what go ahead and take away the Mets new manager. You know, uh, I, I just don't see something like, I think it's just going to come down to money and draft picks. Yeah. Uh, and maybe, I mean, maybe they, they lose one top pro- prospect that is, that is like Preston Tucker. Great name. Great. Name. Yes. I understand. But, uh, you know, you can't take away Jordano Alvarez, their rookie of the year. That would be too harsh, but maybe Tucker's contract gets voided and he's a free agent. Yeah, maybe. Something like that. Maybe. I don't know. It'll be, but that's not, he's not a product of what they did. I mean, right. And so, uh, I mean, when the Braves were punished for their uh, their problems with international league players, uh, they lost some of those players that uh, where the sin was made. Uncharted waters, it would seem. <laughs> for something like this. What team do you think did the best this offseason? I'm glad you asked me that because I was about to ask you the same or yeah, pose the same question. It's somewhat of a a, a three-way tie between uh or my top 3, I'll I'll start there. Nationals, uh Rangers and White Sox. Um you know, but of course the Nationals their biggest thing was holding on to their own with Strasburg. Um but uh, oh, and I'm overlooking the Phillies. I mean, Zach Wheeler, big sign. Didi Gregorius. Phillies have had a really nice offseason. Um, 
But I do think the White Sox with the trade for Keuchel or the signing of Dallas Keuchel, um, the re-signing of Abreu, um, looking at some of the other moves, the Yasmani Grandal, who we wanted desperately. Right. Um, and if, if, you know, just looking at that mixed with if Kopech comes back full strength, another stud season from Lucas Giolito, if that's not, you know, a one a flash in the pan, I think the White Sox have done the best and positioned themselves the best for a big 2020. Uh, I definitely do. When, and when you look at their last sign, they spent a pretty fair amount on getting Ciszek uh, yeah. uh, from the Cubs. Does Ciszek sell seashells by the seaside? Yeah. <laughs> The uh, by the south side, uh, <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. That's a t shirt. That yeah. is a t shirt, much like the Fresh Prince of Pete Street, right. Will Smith. Big right. sign here in uh, Atlanta. But uh, Ciszek is a high priced reliever. You go out and get the high priced relievers when you're competing, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, Gio Gonzalez, I overlooked oh, yeah, and, the well, Gio and Double E, yeah, uh, who they're hoping. I mean, they got him for 12 million, I think, uh, which is not much in today. Oh, one year, 12 million is not much in today's market. Uh, and they're hoping he does for them what Cruz did for the twins, right? Yeah, and um, so you know, uh, they've I definitely think they've had the best. I think the Reds have had a very good offseason, too. Yeah, and I was high on the Reds last year. I'm, I'm hoping I'm betting on them again to well, be a fun team. Oh, I think so too. I, it'll be interesting to see what what's his name, Akiyama. Uh, you know the right, right. The the last team to sign a Japanese player. Um, oh, they'd never done it before. Now, right? They're the only one that had not signed. Well, all that. right. Well, welcome to tw- welcome <laughs> to the twenty first century Cincinnati Reds. Yeah, but I think the Braves have only signed one, if I recall. Uh, From yeah, a true. I mean, we signed Kinshin Kawakami, but I believe yeah. he was of South Korea, right? Oh, okay. I think uh, I, I think he was uh, South Korean and not actually Japanese. Okay, uh, I was thinking he was uh, Japanese, but uh, the that sounds terribly racist. I know this is going down a weird path. <laughs> yes. um, well, I mean, the Reds also got, they got Wade Miley, uh, rounding out a very good bullpen. Mustakas is going to help them a bunch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I agree entirely that their infield is tight. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and. Uh, they can hit, you yeah, know. All right, Dietrich and the like. Um, and it's funny, you know. N- neither of us said the Yankees because, really, outside of the big, the big fish, well, what else have they done? You know, it's have people coming back from injury. Yeah, although Batances, I don't seems like he's going. Didn't he sign for? Did he sign with the Phillies? Oh no, you incorrect. Right division, wrong team. The Mets. Oh, that's true. That's true. He went, it's true. The went, Mets. Yes, he went across town. Took the seven train over yeah. Flushing. Right. Huge. And the Huge. Mets. Are, well, that but they lost Wheeler though. Yeah, yeah. They but they you know again Mets. It's all about health. If it's if, if Cespedes going to come back and win the triple crown. Right. <laughs> and if uh, Strasburg if and Bohr doesn't get him first. Right. Uh, if uh, if Syndergaard, if Thor and Degrom are there all year, pitching at a high level, they have as good a chance as anybody. But well, they were pitching at a high level all, <laughs> year, all season last year. Didn't say it was a guarantee. Yeah. I'm just saying it gives them a chance. All right, but they're a lot more fun to watch now that they got the big polar bear. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh my god, that that scares me almost more than all what the Nationals have done is just the fact that we have to face Alonzo 18 times. Yeah. 19, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 19. 18 or 19. Some 
it's weird. The, the, there's like one team in the division you face one game less because uh, of how it because it's plays a leap year. <laughs> yep, that's right. Something about you know Mercury in retrograde. Right. Um. I there was one other. There's one other thing. Oh, we would be remiss not to bid a fair, uh, a fond farewell to Julio Tehran. <laughs> oh, that's true. Uh, yeah, that's signs true. with the Angels to go rejoin Simba. That's right. Creating Atlanta Braves West. <laughs> All they need to do is get Kimbrel now and. They have our whole <laughs> core from 2013. Here, here's a question. Uh, yeah, they have Upton. Uh, yeah, right. The uh, what chance do you think uh, Simba has of getting into the Hall of Fame? You make this somewhat of a segue. What chance does he have? Yes. Or do you think do you, do you see him as a Hall of Fame player? If he stays healthy for another, I mean, what do you, what would you think? He's probably got another five strong years in him. Prime and post prime. Uh, well, yeah, it'd be some of that's going to be post prime, but I mean, yeah, uh, like he's in his prime right, right. now. The uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I but I heard Terry Pendleton. Who would know? Uh, Pendleton played with Ozzy forever, and uh, he coached Sim- Simba for the first part of his career, um, and he said that uh, that Simba was every bit of the shortstop that Ozzy was, he just has a better arm and he hits more. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. And Ozzy gets on in on first ballot. Right. And 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 a lot of that is you know, he had backflip appeal. Yes. So right. And that's my I I absolutely believe Simba is a Hall of Famer if again the productivity in the years if he does another five years at this level, I think absolutely. Winning platinum glove, gold glove in particular. Right. Um, all right, and yes, that will segue us perfectly into our first to third, the Hall of Fame class of 2020. Um, the uh, the announcement comes, I think it's uh, the 23rd, or yes, I know it's I know it's the uh, week after next. So, um, but the announcement's coming in a couple of weeks. So let's go through and give our ballots for the 2020 Hall of Fame class. Um, you may go first. Uh, give me who you're voting for, and then, of course, who you think will actually be voted in. Well, okay, first of all, I feel very confident that Ted Williams, or Ted Simmons, is going to get into the <laughs> Hall of Fame, uh, and Marvin Miller. Yes, that uh, seems like a lock. The uh, And then after that, it's almost as much of a lock that Jeter is going to get in. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's possible that Jeter will... Uh, be another unanimous choice. Not that he was even the best shortstop of that period. Uh, I mean, the defensive metrics now are showing him that, you know, showing how he had uh, difficulty going to his left, uh, you know, and there uh, there are a lot of things that... He's got the Aussie factor. Yeah, oh, certainly. And he's got the New York factor. Uh, right, As yeah. much as anything. But, uh, but a lot of that, he was a shining... Um, face of the game and i think it's a weaker year i don't think i think he should be unanimous uh i think there are a lot of other people that should be unanimous the year itself that with the other candidates he's going against i think makes it uh more likely for him to be in. but I, I can't see how anybody would leave him off their ballot unless they're just not even doing a ballot this year or something yeah unless it's like direct spite but now that the ballots right. are open and we know right. who's voting for what that person would be ostracized from from right. the club, he, he would be living in Boston. <laughs> he or she, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah right. let's, oh. be, let's be correct. I use editorial. He, 
Yeah. Well, so for your ballot, if you were given an official one, would you did you have ten this year? No, I only have eight. Yeah, and 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 by the way, we 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 go back and forth on this. I this this uh, you can only so you can select up to ten, but you don't have to select ten. I believe that's right. That's the format correctly, right? Right. I feel like we should just go to a format of just vote for who you think is a Hall of Famer. If it's one, just vote for one. I feel like saying ten is puts this in the mind where you know certain writers give votes to people who you know obviously well, not Hall of Famers. There are. I understand somewhat where people want to consider them more. I have eight players, um, but I didn't follow Paul Konerko's career that closely. Here's a white sock that hit right in the middle of the order for ever on a bunch of teams that I didn't follow. Uh, Right. (laughs) And I mean, and so, you know, I know he was one of the premier power hitters of his age, but I haven't really studied his statistics that much, and I haven't watched him that much. So uh, I can't, you know, maybe you consider him another year. Give, uh, I think Cliff Lee is the same. I don't think he had a long enough career, but the the, uh, the top part of his career was phenomenal. I mean— Oh, absolutely. The uh, Gary Sheffield, uh, he has that kind of the, the taint of steroids because he worked out that one year with— uh, bonds named but, in the Mitchell report, right? Right, or tied to Balco for using the cream and the clear, r- right? He may very well not have known what was going on. His, you know, <laughs> oh, I mean, he takes shots fired at the uh, at the no, intellect level. No, 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 I'm not. I mean, uh, he never shied away from, yeah, I use that, but I, uh, it was as though, like, oh, that that was illegal. I didn't. You know. He's definitely got, I mean, he's got those big numbers yeah. without being fully, you know, he's not Sammy Sosa. You, no. That's no. for certain. Sammy Sosa isn't even Sammy Sosa anymore. No, and but. he wasn't one of these uh, people that started lactating late in their life after having, <laughs> trying to cover it up with female hormones and stuff. Uh, so, uh, well, uh, uh, he wasn't. The truth uh, hurts. Truth hurts. The, uh and pretty star, you know, but these are people that I would consider putting on just to uh, keep them around. Uh, but they're not people that I say are automatic Hall of Famers. So I'm not putting them on my list right now. All right. Well, give me your eight. Uh, Jeter, uh, Andrew Jones. Uh, if you can put Ozzie Smith and Bill Mazeroski in from their fielding uh, abilities, and that's why they were put in. You can certainly put in uh, Andrew Jones, who almost you know had 450 home runs. Uh, Larry Walker, uh, I fluctuate with Walker at times because he wasn't on the field all the time. But when he was on the field, he was as good as anybody that was playing. The Scott Rowland, uh, somebody else who I think has the new defensive metrics and things are showing Rowland to be. Uh, the type of player that we know he was. Uh, Billy Wagner is on my list. Um, and I'll tell you something with Wagner. Uh, Trevor Hoffman goes in right away. but And they pitched the same time. Now, Hoffman compiled more. He, he played longer. He, has, he had more saves. But if you ask players who was the toughest pitcher in that time, it was Wagner. You know, uh, right. Wagner famously, no one argued with his radar gun readings right there was a lot of like well 
you know, home stadium bias when when certain relievers would come out and when it would light up a hundred. It's like, yeah, it wasn't really a hundred, but right. Wagner of, did it on the road. <laughs> yeah, Jeter famously said this that when he saw Wagner pitch, he's like, that is a that's a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. I can barely see. Yeah, right. Jeff Kent, the uh, when you've hit the most home runs at your position, that right? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, and he's got an MVP, and you know he's uh. The uh, the defensive metrics hurt him. Uh, Omar Vizquel, the I can't remember a better double play combination than Vizquel and Alomar. That was so much fun to watch. Uh, I mean, Trammell and uh, Whitaker better all around and uh, everything, but just in the field, I never saw any double play combination like that. Gene Alley and Bill Mazeroski were tremendous, you know, but. Uh, Vizquel and uh, Alomar were so acrobatic, uh, so exciting to watch, all the bare hand stuff and flips and uh, things. And he did have 3,000 hits, you know. Uh, I mean, that's compiled. Uh, but uh, the uh, uh, this, I mean, I know he played for like 500 years too, but uh, he played 24 years or something like that. Um, yeah, not, and he, he actually was just shy of yeah, 3,000 right. well, yeah, hits, but I'm, yeah, yeah. Uh, rounding up. Yeah, uh, Helton would be my eighth pick. I like what they're doing now, showing that how hitting in Coors Field hurts you on the road because you're just not used to hitting balls that break that much once you go on the road. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's kind of some just do almost for yeah. the for the for the superstars that played right. most of their career at Coors Field. I like that too. Um, my ballot. I went to ten just to just to see if I could get to ten. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, I, I have Jeter, of course, uh, Walker. You really <laughs> brought it into the fold last year about how great Walker was when he yeah. was on the field, and the longevity of how great and impactful he was when on the field. Um, Viskel, absolutely. Uh, I agree with everything you said about how uh, you know how much of a marvel he was defensively, and that. Double play combo in Cleveland being a joy to watch, even when they're <laughs> trying to take your world title from you. Um, Billy Wagner, for sure. Andrew Jones, yep. Jeff Kent, uh, Scott Rowland. Uh, Rowland, I, I, I still feel like he, he he had a career that those years in Cincinnati were, were he just wasn't on the radar as prominently as when he was with the Cardinals and I think the Phillies, Phillies yeah. before that. But... You know, you look at him on those Reds teams. Those were the Reds teams that went to the playoffs every year. Right. So, um, and then I also have uh, Helton. Uh, now, you know. So you I, have everybody that I had. Right. Yeah. So here are my last two. One is Raphael for call. <laughs> I'm going to give him a, a vote to keep him on for maybe another year if possible. And that's just giving him straight love for the, the aughts. Right. Yeah. Um, and he is a world champion, so that says something. It says that he's a world champion. Okay. Um, but Kurt Schilling, I'm voting for Kurt Schilling yet again, and I actually think that this year he gets in. I think. Oh, that, I, I think he will get in this year. Yeah, I do. I don't vote for him because I'm not going to honor Kurt Schilling. Right. That's my. I, I don't. Uh, I don't have any. I think Kurt Schilling is a Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I have to honor him with my vote. <laughs> well, okay, so that that argument, we both then are saying we think he's a Hall of Fame pitcher. You wouldn't vote for him because of 
bankrupting Rhode Island and the fact that he would just as soon encourage World War III to break out. Um, the thing is, is that if Schilling, let's say Schilling got to some other benchmarks, 300 wins, uh, if he was a slam dunk Hall of Famer, would you vote for him? Uh, perhaps. Uh, I mean, I think we've discussed this earlier. There were people that Steve Carlton, Jim Rice, you know, these are people that were uh, really, the media despised him for whatever reason, and they didn't like the media as well. Uh, Steve Carlton, you know, how can you keep him out? Uh, you know, that's, uh, I, and there's so much politics, obviously, going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, that Pete Rose doesn't have a plaque to me seems, you know, uh, odd. Uh, I mean, when you consider that the all-time home run hitter, the all-time hits leader, the— the One of the all-time pitchers. Right, right. Uh, uh, He doesn't quite have Cy Young's numbers. No, Uh, but 354 wins, and how many Cy Young's did Clemens get? Seven, didn't he? Uh, Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's at least five. Right. Um, The uh, That, uh, you know, so you you don't have to let everybody in. Um, Joe Jackson is not in, you know. Um, Yeah. Although I don't know that Joe Jackson played enough years. Interesting. That's a hot take right there. I... You know, I, I I think in Schilling's case, it's just he was there's there there there's something to be said. The New York factor for Derek Jeter or the backflip factor for Ozzy Smith. Okay. Kurt Schilling pitched in two of the the one of the greatest World Series of all time in two thousand and one, but two of the most Didn't he Im- pitch in three World Series? He pitched He pitched in four oh, okay. total. He pitched in ninety three with the Phillies. Right. Oh, that's right. Oh okay. one with the D backs, nine uh oh four and oh seven with the Red Sox. Right, right. The O four World Series was a sweep. It was a nothing, but it was that Red Sox team and he is as instrumental to reversing and, the curse as anything. Absolutely. Schilling's postseason stuff is Right there with Pettit and Smoltz and Bumgardner and you know uh, their second tier uh, World Series performances. I mean, all of them. Second tier. <laughs> oh, well, nobody beats Christy Matthewson. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see what you did there. Three shutouts in five game in five days. That's, <laughs> That's he it. wins. He he owns the first <laughs> Three tier. Complete games <laughs> shutouts in five games. He owns, he owns the first tier of the uh, – of. he's got the penthouse floor of World Series right. pitching performances. But, I mean, uh, Schilling right there. And that, that to me, is the thing that makes him a Hall of Fame pitcher. I mean, uh, reg- he had impeccable control. You know, he never walked anybody, uh, but nor did Cliff Lee. You know, uh, Well, again, longevity is the thing that, that Schilling has over Cliff Lee. He's, you know. Schilling – it's if one of the reasons he lasts longer is because he's throwing relief the first you know third of his career. Sure. So, yeah. Well, and Lee had some injury plagued, and know, it's later also years, one of so. the reasons that Schilling doesn't have all the wins that you know people are saying, which mattered in his day. Right. Right. Well, I think so. I think who as far as who will get in this year, it'll be Jeter. Absolutely. I think this is Larry Walker's year and Kurt Schilling. Uh, maybe an outside chance that Viskel could get in this year, but 
He only pulled at 40% yeah, last I, year. I just see Schilling and Walker joining Jeter at, yeah. at best. I mean, you know. Yeah. Now, we've been spoiled in recent years having multiple numbers, but yeah. so many years it's just one person gets in or there was none, you know. Yeah, in 2000 and uh, what was it, 2011 or 12. Yeah. But um, all right. So now the big elephant in the room question Will Bonds and or Clemens get in this year? Is this the year that one of those albatrosses gets in? I don't know. I don't think so. I, I think the voting, the change in voting in the last two years, the the voters, we've gotten a lot of younger voters in that are more inclined to put uh, a Bonds or a Clemens in. Right. Uh, and but I think that shift has already been made. They've already, you know gain those points there's no more points to gain right it's kind of what i'm i'm but i don't know well it's year eight for both of them so you got to think that you know we're so close to just not having to have this talk anymore right (laughs) that that the the verjuchis of the world will make it so but however it'll start right over again because a rod will be on the uh, (laughs) yeah but he's so easier to just say no (laughs) because what a goof He's been so oddly unlikable and so publicly in in the limelight. At least Bonds and Clemens vanished right. from purview. Bonds came back to coach, you know, was a was with the Marlins for a couple of seasons. But you know, when you go away, your 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 legend becomes a little bit better. You yeah, know, and and that's why I think you see more votes for Clemens and Bonds because you get the younger voters like well i'm i'm watching them they were the best at their position right. you know all right yeah they cheated but didn't everybody so um all right so the golden era committee as you uh, alluded to earlier put in uh, ted simmons and your boy marvin miller uh back in december so uh hey cheers for marvin miller the floor is yours if you want to give him some more love oh uh, he i think it's interesting that he said he didn't want uh, a to be elected to the Hall of Fame posthumously, you know that he want you know he didn't if he didn't get it while he was alive he didn't want to be in. Yeah, uh, that's almost like saying you know give it to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, uh, in so many yeah, in other words, the no one has the only person that has changed the game as much as Marvin Miller ever is Branch Rickey, uh, in developing farm systems and breaking the color barrier or, you know, this sort of thing, or making uh, the first to really make a concentrated effort to break the color barrier. Uh, Maybe Cap Anson uh, changed the game as much by making the color barrier exist. But Marvin Miller changed the game. Uh, We have... So what we've done, the, the first part of this podcast is talk about free agents, you know, he created free agents. Right. There's uh, there are shows dedicated to this fun thing called the hot stove. Right. Right. Uh, it, it gives so much more teams hope. When you had uh, before Marvin Miller, when there were eight teams in each league, and five of them in the American League were farm teams for the Yankees. You know. Uh, yeah. The uh, just and I mean, how could you be? Kansas City athletic fan back in those days, you know, or a uh, you you knew you weren't going to go anywhere. There was no hope, you know. Yeah, uh, the Washington Senators and the St. Louis Browns and oh, geez, uh, just dreadful organizations. Uh, 
the uh, and that has all changed, you know. Uh, so I mean, and it's it was Marvin Miller, and Marvin Miller did had a lot of it um, as a labor organizer. It wasn't just baseball. He's you know did it with all sorts of uh, different organizations. But as far as baseball go, he looked out pretty much for the dignity of a human being, and uh, players were made to be people, not just chattel anymore. And that's... Uh, Property of an organization. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, which doesn't read well when you, you know, especially looking back on, you know, the greater uh, history of the 19th and 20th century. The reserve clause was close to slavery. Walter Johnson wrote an article about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when he was in his prime. I mean, that's how long, you know, this... Uh, hated claws existed in baseball. Yeah. And again, it was uh, uh, Kurt Flood, right? Yes. Kurt, Kurt Flood was the one that took it to court and took it and takes it to the Supreme Court. Uh, the first free agents were Dave McNally and Andy Messersmith. Yeah. The, uh, Braves, the Braves signing Andy Messersmith. McNally, I think, was the actual first one. Nice. Um, and then one, one other... Uh, 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 he he must be mentioned, but the Ford Frick Award winner this year is. Can you guess? Can you put it on the board? Yes, yes. And, to the Hawk. And I've been a proponent for him coming in for some time, under some, some way or another. <laughs> and and I and I've said this before, probably on this show, but he brought in batting gloves. Yeah, that's I mean, huge. Yeah, sure, it's it is huge. How many players better don't, or worse? How many players don't use batting gloves today? You know, it's a very small percentage. I think Hunter Pence and maybe Brett Gardner, who are both available free agents. There you go. <laughs> yeah, the Hawk. I, I'm excited to hear his speech. Uh, I will say, if Schilling gets elected, that'll be an interesting speech. It, oh, that, yeah. It'd be a very uh, unique crowd reaction. Although, if Clemens or Bonds. I mean, let's in in the world. That's true. The speeches yeah. of some of these people could be very interesting, right? And consider if Schilling is uh, on the same stage as Jeter, like right. Red Sox Yankees, the whole thing. It's all right there once again. Right. So fun times. Looking forward to it. All right. Well, coming into home, we're gonna do the Bounds Book Club. It's time to talk about a piece of baseball literature fiction. Our first entry in the Bounds Book Club is none other than The Art of Fielding by Chad Harbach. Coach, tell us about this book in three sentences or more. Uh, it is probably, it's one of, it was written in 2011, so it's fairly new. I mean, it, it's yeah. uh, as baseball novels go. 478 and, pages, of which I read nine. Okay. Good <laughs> but it's you. a long one. Uh, it, it's... It gets away from uh, so many of uh, baseball novels because of the metaphoric content of baseball in general. Our fantasy, uh, whether it's Michael Chabon or uh, Kinsella or um, the uh, or even Bernard Malamud uh, writing novels about baseball that um, become kind of uh, allegorical fantasies. And whereas there is a, a good bit of symbolism and metaphor in The Art of Fielding, uh, it's also a very realistic book in a lot of ways. So give us the... Uh, that was more than three sentences, I believe. Yeah, which is fine. Sorry. 
Um, well, I said three sentences or more. Oh, okay. So. Um, so give us the uh, kind of the start with the story arc and theme of the book and then talk about our main character. All right. Uh, well, there, I don't think there is a main character. I mean, uh, uh, Henry Skirmishhander uh, is the uh, kind of persona in the middle of the book, uh, but he's no more important than Mike Schwartz or uh, the five characters. There are five real characters in the book, and I think that is the best thing that this book does is develop five very distinct, very individual characters. Um, it's placed at Wettish College in Wisconsin, a uh, mythical college. Wisconsin's not mythical. Uh, <laughs> Good and, cheese from there. Right. Uh, and it's about a... Uh, Henry is a good field, uh, no-hit high school ball player who gets depressed. He thinks his baseball career is coming to an end his senior year. Uh, He's playing in high school, playing at some no-name tournament. Uh, The Mike Schwartz, who is the best player on the Wettish Harpooners, uh, so named because of a connection the school has with Herman Melville. There's a statue of Herman Melville there, and the one of the characters, the president of the school, is a Melville scholar, which leads to a very convoluted ending of the book. Um, the, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it. It's so convoluted. Uh, but Schwartz sees Henry play, talks him into coming uh, to Wettish College. Uh, he gets him uh, on board on the team. Uh, Schwartz doesn't have much to do with him the first part of the year because he's still playing on the football team. But then he trains Henry and makes him a player who at one point looks like he's going to be a uh, first pick in the, um, uh, the major league draft. There are three other characters. Uh, Owen Dunn, who is uniquely uh, the he introduces himself to Henry and says, "I'll be your gay mulatto roommate." If that's not open for all sorts of symbolic interpretation, I don't know what is. Um, <laughs> but uh, Owen uh, is a good hit, but no field uh, freshman as well. Uh, they bond because he sees that Owen has. The book, The Art of Fielding, which is a book that Henry has looked upon as kind of his Bible, written by the uh, notorious Aparicio Rodriguez. There is the president of the school, Gert Affenleit. Uh, he is one of the main characters, very well drawn, and his daughter, Pella Affenleit, who has both affairs with Mike Schwartz and Henry. All right, but the story of the book, uh, that's not the beauty of this book. The beauty of the book is in the character development and watching uh, four of these people, not uh, Gert, but watching them grow into adulthood. There's a passage in John Knowles' A Separate Piece where he says, there's a time in your life where you will always look at as you are that age. When you think of yourself later in life, you think of yourself as that at that particular time. That particular time does not transcend time. And that time for most people is when they're in college. You, that you see that's kind of like the, uh, the pinnacle of your uh, intellectual and spiritual growth kind of comes during that time. And what we see are all of these characters dealing with failure, uh, 
the Henry is uh, unable to deal with the pressure of fame. Uh, the Mike Schwartz doesn't get into all of these law schools that he's applying to. Pella has nothing but uh, failed uh, relationships. All of them dealing with these and growing into adulthood. And we see them going through the, battling these hardships. And that's something very real. Now, the author of this book, Chad Harbach, knows this setting. It is such a real feel for small college baseball, baseball itself, the devotion Henry has to his glove. Things uh, are just, these are innately baseball. It's not like Malamud who has to go talk to people about baseball to be able to write about it. This person knows this game. Uh, the uh, Yet, it's still loaded with all kinds of um, of a of a depth of character that you just don't see. Well, there a combination of this. At one point, Owen sitting on the bench, and he's a very odd and unusual person, uh, is reading a copy of Darwin's The Voyage of the Beagle, uh, and is called on to pinch hit. And then he asks, recognizes what the situation is, asks Henry, "What's the bunt sign?" There's somebody who is reading the void Darwin's The Voyage of the Beagle, but doesn't understand what the bunt sign is. And then uh, <laughs> and Henry tells him, well, if he pulls on his ear earlobe twice, it's on, uh, but you have to look for the indicator where he squeezes his belt. But if he, uh, that will have to come first. But if he says your first name or if... Uh, the uh, he uh, does uh, says your first name or that uh, claps his hands or something of this nature, uh, then it's off. And Owen says, oh, "Forget it, I'll just bunt." Uh, he, <laughs> he can't take you know this kind of the complexity of a simple child's game, but he is very intellectual in all sorts of other ways. I right, mean, right. And this is, I think, something you would see at a small college. You know the 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 different tournaments that they play in, the training stuff that he go they go through early in the morning. Uh, it seems like this person, uh, somebody knows something about baseball. That uh, it is a true baseball book. Now, just as a, I'm not going to do a trailer or a. The way this book ends is disappointing. It ties the story ties up in such a bizarre way through the, really what's the denouement of the novel. It's not so much the end of it. I mean, he, uh, Mike ends up a coach, and this sort of these things are real, but uh, that seems real. But there is something that happens to Gert Affenlight's dead body that is just kind of bizarre that happens at <laughs> the right. end. You'll have to read it, folks. Yeah, I don't want to spoil that for you. There is a connection with Melville and Moby Dick throughout the whole thing that runs through the whole thing as well. Well, which character was your favorite? Uh, which character did you connect to personally? Um, in a weird sort of way, uh, I, con I connected to Gert Affenlight, uh, the president of the school. Uh, not in his sexual orientation. That was not something that I uh, identified with, but in this appreciation of the beauty of the game. Uh, he didn't play, uh, but I also is seen the connection between literature and baseball and these sort of things. This was something that I connected with. Now, I, I coached like Schwartz. I played like Henry. Well, no, wait a minute. 
let me, uh, I did, didn't coach like either of them. I didn't play like either of them. I did play. I did coach. Uh, <laughs> but I'm not. Uh, the, uh, so actually, as a player, it's probably more like done. Uh, but <laughs> you could pull that ball. Yeah. Uh, but the, uh, so, I mean, but I identify the, the, the development of the characters. You can see a little, I, I can see a little bit of myself in everybody, except for Pella. I, hard time identifying with a female <laughs> well you know it's a, that would that would be the biggest stretch for you i would yes. think um all right so what is the best part of the book for a lover of baseball um, you've listed multiple but if you had to kind of pull out one more is it the way that harbach writes about the game in action no i think it is more the preparation the, the training that right yeah uh, and Henry's growth as a player and seeing this come from the dedication that he's put it in the the going out and running miles every morning uh frost on you know around a frozen lake you know in Wisconsin I mean uh the uh seeing him physically get stronger working out with weights and stuff and he begins to hit and there's uh the 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 in game descriptions are fine. They are uh, they're spot on. Uh, there's not as much of that. Uh, right, right. It's the it's the training montage. It's the right. it's the journey of the of the work. Right. Um, all right, and then finally, recommend this book for a non baseball lover. Well, no, I can. Uh, that is, I've had a couple of people read this book that know nothing about baseball and love it. Yeah, uh, and that in itself give that recommendation, right? Well, I, yeah, I mean, it's well, you mean as to why? Yeah, uh, you're not going to find, uh, particularly in a first novel, five characters that are developed this well. Uh, I also, um, I mean, in the a nice mix of metaphor and symbol throughout the book. Uh, there is an a literary aspect to it, particularly with the whole Melville stuff and it kind of following the white whale and. Uh, it's an easy read. It's a fast read. Um, I don't know. I I, uh, I've, I don't know anybody that's read this book that has not liked it. Yeah, and uh, I can't say that about too many baseball novels. Right. And if and, you're a non-baseball lover, I guess it's that you can still immerse yourself in these very well-drawn characters dealing with life. Right. Uh, yeah. And their growth into adulthood and uh, overcoming adversities and setbacks and it's. Uh, nice story that way. Right. And at no point is, you know, defensive runs saved ever mentioned. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, uh, I'm not certain about that. Uh, I mean, we are, uh, but it is 2011. Right. Yeah. When so, it's written. So yeah. maybe it's in there. All right. Well, there you have it. The art of fielding, uh, coach bounds is book club, uh, selection of the month. So again, author is Chad Harbach, H A R B A C H look for it on Amazon or any independent bookstore. I recommend the independent bookstore because they're making a comeback and that's small business America for you. All right. Well, it's good to be back coach. Uh, looking forward to uh, uh, the podcast season. We're going to do some more What If Sports podcasts, uh, some state of the franchises, and more book club type things. In addition to, of course, always keeping up with what's going on in the 2020 Major League Baseball season. Pitchers and catchers report in like, what, a month? Yeah, right. Right after it's Iowa. Like, it's like, right. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it is 2020 in every sense of the word. Yeah, leap year. Uh, 
<laughs> well, thank you as always to uh, everyone who listens to the podcast uh, on SoundCloud or on iTunes or by going to our website, runningthebases.com. Uh, be sure to like us and follow us on Facebook, uh, on Instagram at Running the Bases, and on Twitter at Running the Base. Um, and uh, leave your comments, uh, critiques, uh, all of the things, and uh, we'll try and incorporate. We always love fan feedback to try and you know change up the podcast to make them more unique and more interesting. So. Uh, thank you, as always, to Mr. David Wayngarten, uh, who's the provider of our intro and outro music. Uh, his album, The Truth Is, I Don't Know, uh, is available on digital and wherever albums are still sold. Um, support your local artist. Buy the actual record. One $20 CD is the equivalent of 5,000 Spotify plays for a musician out there, FYI. So, uh, for Coach Jordan Bounds, I am Tucker Wells. This is the Running the Bases podcast. We're coming into home and we're safe. Coach, you have yourself a good night. Good night. <laughs>